Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. With today's special guest host, Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in. Another fine episode of the Gabe Coon Show. Thanks for joining us. Of course, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at 92.9 ESPN. And uh, lots to get to on today's show. About a half hour from right now, Steve Ashburner, senior NBA writer over at NBA.com. You can follow him on Twitter at AshNBA. He'll be joining us, talk about Memphis uh, Grizzlies basketball, kind of uh, what the West landscape looks like a little bit, and uh, get his thoughts on a couple of the most recent major moves involving Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday and how that changes the landscape of the NBA. So looking forward to talking to Steve uh, in about 30 minutes. Also, Jeff Calkins, uh, about one hour from now. Looking forward to that. And then in the last hour of the show at 6 o'clock, Christian Fowler will join us from the On the Bluff podcast, of course, that him and Gabe do. And Bluff City Media Talks of Memphis Grizzlies football coming up at 6 o'clock. We're going to start where we kind of started uh, yesterday uh, as well, which is uh, talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. And I kind of talked about this uh, during yesterday's show uh, of wanting to talk about an X factor uh, or the X factors uh, for this Memphis Grizzlies basketball team uh, kind of going into this season and difference makers. Uh, going into this season and, you know, who are going to be those guys that could differentiate, you know, this team this year from last year. Now, obviously, we all know about the couple of new guys, right? right? So there's no need to get into Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose. We talked about them plenty yesterday. Uh, but one guy uh, I think that makes sense to me is Zaire Williams. I mean, that that to me is a guy that, you know, if if he shoots a three-point three ball fairly decently, you know, he can be that three and D type of player uh, that could really be a huge asset uh, to this team. And if, if you look around the NBA, those three and D guys are very, very valuable uh, around the NBA because of the amount of three point shots that are being jacked up uh, game in and game out around the league. And I, I don't know uh, if you're a fan of all these three pointers being taken in today's NBA. I will tell you, I am not. Um, 
I, I think it takes away from the entertainment of the game myself. Uh, watching a, a team shoot 43 pointers in a game or 35 three pointers in a game, just running and chucking. Uh, not a huge fan of it as far as a fan watching the games. And, you know, how did it all start? Well, it, of course, all started with Steph Curry um, shooting from half court and everything else and Golden State spreading out the ball. Mind you, D'Antoni tried a similar type of thing with the Phoenix Suns years ago, uh, and he never really took. But with Golden State winning championships, using that same type of philosophy, and then advanced analytics getting involved and kind of poo-pooing the mid-range shot and uh, wanting you to shoot the three uh, more than actually shooting anything else, that obviously has also changed it. Uh, and I think coming into this season, as we talked about yesterday uh, with Taylor Jenkins kind of reanalyzing and trying to figure out different things to kind of do going into this season, I, I would expect, maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I would expect they're going to take more threes than they did last year. I, I would expect that they're going to probably take a, a good amount uh, more threes than maybe they did last year. And part of that reason is that's the way of the NBA. It's It's going to be tough, I think, to you know, win championships in this league if you can't shoot the three ball a lot and at a decent percentage. That that seems to be the way. And if if you can't hang with the big boys doing that, then it's going to be tough for you to finish. Yeah, you could probably get through the regular season with a different uh, decent record or whatever. But when you start playing these elite teams, these playoff caliber teams, and you're in a series, that is kind of how this whole thing plays out. The first factor in a playoff series is what? Usually best player... Between the two teams is usually the team that wins. Usually, right? So if Ja Morant is the best player in the series between the two teams, then Memphis should win that series. If uh, Anthony Davis is the best player in that series, then probably the Lakers will win that series. Now, if the talent is fairly even, what then? Then you can start talking about rebounding and defense and free throws and so forth. Uh, but to me, it's still going to come back to making those threes at a decent percentage uh, and free throws. I think those are huge numbers uh, to look at when you look at a box score. Because if you've got some team shooting, you know, five of 30 from three and the other team is shooting 14 of 30 from three, I'm guessing the team that shot 14 of 30 from three is probably going to win, right? Or you have one team shooting five of 12 from three. Uh, and the other team is shooting 14 of 30 from three. Again, the team shooting 14 of 30 from three is probably going to win. And I think that is an area where if you look at the Grizzlies, that's where you can kind of take that next step. And as we talked about, too, when you're bringing in an assistant coach uh, that was a guy that was under Mike Boonholzer uh, in Atlanta and was under uh, Mike Boonholzer in Milwaukee, is in Andrews, and you're bringing him over here to work with Taylor Jenkins, uh, with that let it fly mentality, I would assume that's going to kind of be part of how this offense is going to change a little bit this year, where you're going to see more three-point shots. And Zaire Williams is a guy uh, that can really benefit from that if he can get going. Now, I know knee tendonitis has been an issue with him on and off again, and apparently uh, the offseason plan, based on what we heard at Media Day, uh, was to kind of work on that issue and hoping that with the different stretching exercises and whatever the program was that they had him on in the offseason – that is going to help him kind of get over or not have as much knee tendonitis uh, throughout the season. Because, again, knee tendonitis usually, usually, and I'm sure if there's a doctor listening, uh, he'll tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. Uh, But normally that doesn't necessarily go away all the way away. Like normally you're going to have flare-ups 
from time to time if if you have knee tendonitis. Just like if you have uh, back issues and you have back spasms and stuff like that, you can do all the stretching you want and everything else. But normally, once you have a back issue, you're always probably going to have some type of a back issue. That That's normally how this plays. So I'm not as convinced, even though they've done all this work in the offseason, that that knee tendonitis is just going to disappear and you're not. that's not going to be a problem all year. If that is the case, well, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful you, because you never saw as that year have that chance to take that big jump from year one to year two because he was battling stuff all year. Right. If he can take that big jump now, Connor, now you got something because he can be that X factor and that difference maker. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people agree heading into the season for the Grizzlies that that finding the three and D quote unquote replacement for Dylan Brooks because in theory Dylan Brooks is a three and D guy. He's certainly the defensive presence that you want him to be, and he has stretches where he can be that three-point shooter for you. But unfortunately, we just saw last season he he started shooting a little bit too much, so he couldn't be the answer for this team moving forward. And that's why you know a couple years ago uh, they took us they took a swing on Zaire. They you know they drafted him a little bit early. He was a diamond in the rough, young kid from Stanford. Had a couple had a COVID season. Very weird stuff going on on around him. And his rookie season, he showed flashes. He absolutely showed flashes. You saw. That you know he's not there defensively, but he was in the right places. He's just got to learn the flow of the game a little bit. He was catching alleys all the time from John Morant. He was hitting those three-point shots in the corner. So we were expecting a second-year leap from Zaire Williams, or we were hoping for one, and unfortunately it just never came. And to your point, it, a lot of it was that he was dealing with injuries, specifically his knee tendonitis. And he could just never really get in a groove. So that's why this grouping of wings, David Roddy, Zaire Williams, and Jake LaRavia, the Grizzlies really need one of these young guys to step up and to become that 3 and D guy that they can have moving forward because when you already have Desmond Bain and you have Luke Kennard, you know that you can keep up with teams with three-point shooting. But when you have Luke Kennard in there, the defense does go away a little bit. So if you are able to get a Zaire Williams that can hit those threes and he can be a defensive presence, that's going to be massive for them. And that's why at the beginning of the season, I think we saw kind of yesterday during uh, media day that Zaire Williams is really being propped up by not only the coaching staff in the front office, but also his his fellow players, because they understand that if Z comes into this into this season with confidence, he's healthy and he can have a productive season. It can raise the ceiling of this team, even just by a little bit. It can just raise that ceiling enough to maybe get them over the hump, and that's why this this team has a lot of dynamic pieces on the offensive end. You just got to find the right way that they fit in. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that Zaire Williams is a huge X factor heading into the season. It's really a make or break year for him. If he does not have a successful season this year, I'm not sure the Grizzlies can invest any more time in him because it would be him going into year four and you have to start figuring out, well, you know, if you can't get it done, we've got to figure out what David Roddy is. We've got to figure out what Jake LaRavia is. So it really feels like that one of those three guys has to step up and put themselves in front of the pack this season. Let's talk about those two young guys, Roddy and LaRavia, right? Uh, LaRavia uh, looked good, I think, in spurts. I I don't know if I'm I'm sold that he's necessarily the long-term answer, but I think, from again, from my perspective, not that I sat there and watched every, every Memphis Grizzlies game, probably like some of you did that are listening, um, but to me, I, I don't know uh, if, how should I put this? I think Roddy is probably a, a little bit more of a, Project maybe going forward than LaRavia, that LaRavia might be a little bit more ready to help in the present uh, than Roddy. How would you evaluate those two, and am I far off base? I, I would actually flip them. I would flip those. I think LaRavia 
He is. He can be a sniper. We've seen him be a sniper, but unfortunately, yes. it happened. It's, it's happened in the G League and it's happened in summer league. And and if we're being completely honest, his summer league performance this year was not exactly what you wanted it to be. But neither was David Roddy's. Neither was David Roddy's. I think the reason I have just slightly more confidence in David Roddy is that I saw him do it in NBA minutes last season especially toward the end of the year. He had two huge games against the Mavericks where he was quite literally the reason they won those games. He was knocking down threes. He was playing defense at a at a high level. And he had some moments in the playoffs where he showed like, okay, this David Roddy guy might be something. The way I kind of view David Roddy uh, with these three wings is I think Roddy has the has the highest floor, if that makes any sense. Like I think at Agreed. the end of the day, even if he doesn't become the 3 and D you ultimately want him to be, I think he can be serviceable on an NBA team kind of as he is now. He's got a big body. He's a good defender. He's a high IQ player. He's kind of the archetype that the Grizzlies have been trying to grab. LaRavia is the one where you, if he can really start knocking down those shots, there's actually a mantra that the Grizzlies have picked up about over the last year and a half, and a lot of it goes to LaRavia. It's Taylor Jenkins tells him to let that mf or fly. We are just telling, yep. if LaRavia feels leather, I want the ball going toward the basket. He, I'm not trying to have him be a shot creator. He doesn't need to pass it. If you feel the ball in your hands, young man, let that mf or fly, because we got to see if you can hit threes. And that's why this first 25 games, I think, is going to be kind of an experimentation period for the Grizzlies without John Morant, because I think that they have a lot of confidence that when Ja comes back to this roster, they're going to be successful. They're going to be in the playoffs. There's not a ton of worry about that. So this first 25 games, you've got to figure out who can be that three because it can't really be John Conchar. I think a lot of people had wanted it to be in the past. He gave them a lot of good minutes. He deserved that contract that he got. But last year was his opportunity to really step up and fill that role, especially when Desmond DeBain was out a little bit with that toe injury. And he just wasn't able to do that. Conchar is a fine guy to have at the end of your bench, but if you need him to be one of your first seven, I'm not sure that's the way to go. So I, I, I think the way I view it is I would have Roddy number one, Zaire number two, and LaRavia number three, but I still think that they're pretty close because they've all shown flashes of being extremely successful at the NBA level. We just got to see some consistency from them. See, and I, I think for me, when we start looking at all three of those guys, the only reason I don't like Roddy where you like Roddy is size. I mean, sure. he's, he's not as big as the other two. What yeah. are the other two? Like 6'8", somewhere in that area, 6'8", 6'9"? Yeah, Zaire's, he's big dude. Yeah, he's long. Right, so from, from that perspective, I like the longer players, uh, I guess, when we start talking about NBA guys. Uh, and Roddy's fine, uh, but he's just not as long as the other two guys. And we're talking about 3 and D, and that's what we're talking about, right? right. Guys that can be long and lock down a 2, lock down a 3, maybe even lock down a 4 a little bit and can defend 3 positions and then hit that corner three and stretch the floor a little bit. That's why, to me, I like LaRavia better because of how long he is. And again, he to me, he's got the chance to be a much better shooter, better shooter than Roddy does. No, absolutely. LaRavia's got all of the makings of someone who can turn into a knockdown three-point shooter in the league. I think when you look at him, you you have a guy on our roster that you hope that he can maybe turn into, Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard is very similar to go. the style of play that yep. you want Jake LaRavia to have. The one concern with LaRavia... Why do we always compare white people to white people, man? Uh, that's always a thing, man. <laughs> it always is always a thing. Happens. It is always a thing, but also, like, they're kind of super similar. Like, <laughs> you know, so it, it's he was just the easiest comparison point. I mean, he's certainly not Desmond Bain. You know, he doesn't no. have that athleticism. That's yeah. the thing That's the thing with LaRavia. Uh, you know, I have a lot of hope in LaRavia to turn into something. I just got to see it. He's the only one of the three that hasn't really shown the ability to knock down those shots in NBA games. Like I said, he's had flashes here and 
there, but he didn't really get much of an opportunity last season. So that's why I think it's really, really important for himself to establish what he can be in this league this season. And I think the big concern with him is on the defensive end because you want this guy to be the 3 and D. And LaRavia is just, you know, it's not necessarily his fault. He's just kind of slow. He's not as quick as, as David Roddy and, and Zaire Williams. The thing about Roddy is he's got that big body. He's not long, but he's quick. He's athletic as hell. He played quarterback in college. I don't know if you know. He's actually like a quarterback. He Dude can move. He is nimble on his feet. And that's why I think that the Grizzlies like him a little bit more in the rotation right now because he can offer you that defensive side of the ball. And LaRavia is just not quite there yet. Again, but I guess you can say that, but then you also are going to have Marcus Smart out there. You'll have Jaron Jackson Jr. out there. They can certainly help uh, you know, cover up some people on the defensive end. And I think that Desmond Bain is actually extremely underrated for his defensive play as well. If you look at his numbers, he is a plus defender, and he needs to start getting more credit there. So you can kind of hide LaRavia on the defensive end if you need to with that group because, you know, they can they can pick up the slack from him. So it's just it's going to be a really interesting season because one of these three guys has to step up. And if they don't step up, I'm not quite sure what the path forward is for the Grizzlies. Now, I do want to ask your opinion of this because um, – it does seem like, based on just the marketing that they have done and just the kind of the idea, I think that Marcus Smart is going to be that three for the Grizzlies once Ja comes back. It seems like that they're trying to run Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. We have a ton of evidence. We have a ton of stats of Marcus Smart at the three and it being successful for the Boston Celtics. And I think the Grizzlies are just hoping that translates to the team this season because they still don't have that 100% you know who that three is going to be. I think a lot of people think have in their head that Luke Kennard's the second-best option there, and I don't necessarily disagree. When he played for the Grizzlies last year in the playoffs and they had a fully healthy team before everybody got hurt, the offensive numbers were quite literally game-breaking. It was, it was insane when you kind of look at how many shots they were knocking down. He had 10 threes in one game. It was one of – I think I blacked out in the FedEx Forum when that happened. I'd never seen that in person. Being in Memphis, we have been – you know, the years of GNG, we are conditioned to, like – Hard knuckle basketball. That's the way that we do it here in Memphis. So having this new team of high flyers with John Moran, the three point shooting from Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard, it's been really fun the last few seasons to watch. A Marcus Smart thing. Um, look, I I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I think if he's on the floor with Ja, it offers you the the ability to let him maybe kind of initiate the offense, let Ja play off the ball a little bit more. Uh, if Marcus Smart is handling the ball, I I don't mind that either. Defensively. He clearly is able to guard multiple positions, uh, and that's what allows you to put you uh, into that position to play him there. I wouldn't do it. Um, obviously, he has done it in the past. Again, I go back to what I said before, size being long. Um, and his size, if you're guarding you know, a 6'8 or 6'9 type guy that's that's playing that three position, if they go to posting, and again, today's NBA, we just shoot three, so that doesn't even become a thing most of the time. But if that does become a thing, then that could be a, a liability to a certain degree. But I think you can get away with it because, like you said, you're long enough on the backside with Jackson and Adams that if that does become an issue, you have guys there that kind of can uh, cover uh, any deficiency that may happen right. uh, when the other team has the ball. I, I saw Jackson uh, talking about the fact that you know he wants to increase – uh, his rebounding this year, and yeah. he went up a full rebound year over year from 5.8 uh, to 6.8. But he is, I mean, dude's got a wingspan of seven and a half feet. I mean, he is long. From from that perspective, has that been a knock on him as Jared? far as yeah. you need to be rebounding at what 10, 10, 11 rebounds a night? Is that kind of what everybody is wanting out of him? So 
no, actually, it's weirdly enough. No, real quick, I also do want to add real, something real quick about Marcus Smart and David Roddy. It's they, although they may be short in stature, shorter in stature for somebody who may play the three or even spot minutes at the four if you need them to. Both of them have long wingspans. I think David Roddy's is like six eleven, so that's why he's able to get away with it a little bit more. But I agree, you want a little bit more height there, and that's why Zaire Williams. When you look at him, you're like, this kid's almost seven feet tall. He's got a huge wingspan. He can shoot the three. He can run the floor. He's the prototype that you want as a prospect at that three position. You just got to see it come to fruition. So that's why we're hoping it there. Back to Jaron. It's really interesting with the Jaron Jackson Jr. rebounding conversation because I think one of the reasons it's a big topic right now is specifically because of his FIBA World Cup performance where he was asked to play the center position. He was having to do a few things that he's not used to uh, necessarily doing in games, and he wasn't able to get those rebounds. So it's kind of a big topic of conversation right now. But it reminds me of kind of the conversations we used to have about Marcus Gasol here when he was playing next to Zach Randolph. Zach Randolph was the leading rebounder in the NBA. So Mark, Mark Gasol wasn't able to get those rebounding numbers up. Steven Adams is one of the leading rebounders in the NBA, especially on the offensive boards. So Jaron Jackson Jr., I don't think what we want from him is 10 or 11 rebounds. We just want like a consistent like 7 or 8. You know what I mean? Just just be around. Just be around. Get those boards. Get the ones that Steven Adams doesn't get. Just be aggressive on the boards. I think is the thing that people want to see the most. Really the biggest topic of conversation with Jaron, I think the most important aspect of his game is he's got to learn how to how just to defend without fouling a little bit more. He he Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission especially on screens. It's the biggest thing that, that Jaron runs into during the game and the reason he has these foul troubles. It's not necessarily him fouling people when he's going for blocks. It's more so his screens. He'll just run up and kind of barrel into people and just knock them over. So that's why if he can learn how to screen and be a little bit better in that, in that light, you can be on the floor a little bit more for the Grizzlies and be more effective in that aspect. Again, though, I do think that Steven Adams coming back to this roster is going to be a huge, huge deal because – he does so much for this team. When you look at his screen assist numbers, when you look at his offensive rebounding numbers, when you just look at the plus minuses from the rest of the guys around him when he's on the court, he, I think he's he's kind of an underrated. I wouldn't call him an X factor because he's Steven Adams. He's extremely known, but he's such an important piece of that of that starting lineup. And I just feel like he kind of got forgotten about a bit by you know the national media when they were talking about the Grizzlies and maybe why it didn't look perfect at the end of the year and it's like well I don't know their anchor was gone you know they're they're one of their anchors on the defensive end one of their, especially their anchor on the offensive end because the Grizzlies one of the biggest ways that they were able to produce offense was those second rebounds getting those second and third possessions in a row Stephen Adams would throw it out there and Desmond May would knock down a three or Luke Kennard would knock down a three or Jaw would be cut into the basket and he'd hit him and he would dunk it on somebody. So that aspect of the Grizzlies' offense coming back is going to be a huge, huge deal for them this season. 
I think Steven Adams uh, is an undervalued piece for sure. And I, I don't know if he gets the respect that he probably deserves uh, across the NBA. The one thing that, you know, you say Steven Adams, you say Marcus Smart, and uh, some of these guys, now you're talking about a toughness. You're mm-hmm. talking about a mindset. You're talking about do anything that you have to do in order to win a basketball game. Uh, and that's something that you want those young guys to kind of rub off with and doing it the right way, right? I mean, that's the other thing. Now, again, Stephen Ames has had his moments in Oklahoma City where maybe it wasn't the right way all the time. Uh, but uh, for the most part, that that's what you want. You want to be able to have those examples of, look, we can play hard, we can play physical, but we can still do it you know, with class and do it the right way, game in and game out. Uh, and again, the guy that was running his mouth the most isn't here anymore in Dylan Brooks. Uh, but that that's something to also kind of think about going forward and health, right? So right. how do you manage his minutes throughout the year to give you yourself the best chance of having him in the postseason? We talked about it yesterday. The regular season at this point for the Grizzlies is just an extension of preseason to get your rotations down, get whatever type of new nuances you're going to have in this offense uh, going into this year, any type of changes you may make on defense, get all of that down with all the new pieces uh, and stay as healthy as possible. And I know they have the new star rule in the NBA and so forth, whatever. It it doesn't even matter. But just because you have to play him doesn't mean you have to play him, you know, 35 minutes a night or whatever the case may be. Take your time. Let's even Adams, you know, play 15 or 18 minutes uh, on a given night. No, it's not a night off, but it's still not a full 30 or 32 minutes uh, that he may be out there. I think that has to be something else they have to consider with some of these older players uh, to try and assure as much as you can, you can't control injuries necessarily, that they're going to be ready for the playoffs. Because you saw injuries kill this team against the Lakers last year. No, at 100%. The, I, probably the biggest X factor for the Grizzlies this season is going to be health. It's just going to be health. Because the last two playoffs, we've had some injuries heading into it. And Steven Adams going down last year with that knee injury was, it was ultimately the nail in the coffin for the Grizzlies moving forward. And to your point, Jared Jackson Jr. can certainly fill in at that center position, but he's he's similar to Anthony Davis in a way where he can really thrive at that four. In the future, we may need to have conversations about, hey, Jared, you're a seven-footer. We need you to just kind of transition to the the five so that we can move forward with our roster. But as it's built right now, you want Steven Adams out there with him. That's how you can make this team the best it is. And that kind of brings me to another X-factor player, that, and I'm similar to what your opinion of him is. I think Santi Aldama is someone who can really funny help. Dude. Imp- yeah, really good dude, funny guy. Uh, just has a lot of love for life in the game of basketball. Kind of reminds me of Danny Rojas a bit from uh, from Ted Lasso. Um, but he had a tremendous World Cup, and he had a really good season last year. Kind of a surprise yep. for a lot of us Grizzlies fans. So now you have Jared Jackson Jr., Santi Aldama, Steven Adams, and Xavier Tillman, who did tremendous work filling in for Steven Adams last year. He really, really stepped up and filled in. And I have to say, he looked like he was in great shape yesterday. Seriously, looked like he was in great shape. And then you have Junior, Kenny Lofton Jr., who's a fan favorite. He can also give you some minutes at that four four and five if you need. So I think if Santi can step up and really become, you know, just make another leap like he did last season, that's going to be a big deal for the Grizzlies because he's that type of guy that can sit in the corner and knock down those threes. He can get those extra rebounds. He can kind of be your dirty work guy that also hits a three every once in a while. Plays with a little swag, too. Yeah, he he does. Yeah, he's got some energy to him. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some swag to him. And I I think from a fan base standpoint, you probably love that, too. And Again, you, I've heard multiple times uh, him doing uh, several interviews, I guess, over the course of the last year. He's just a funny dude, man. Yeah. makes me laugh whenever I listen to him. I think, isn't he another one of those guys that just got engaged? Zanti? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty not, he sure. He may have. Yeah, he, he may have. Sure. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. I think that uh, Rose just got married. I Correct. know that. 
Gabe just got married. I know that. I was yeah, there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, he he got engaged over the summer. He may I'm have. Sure. If he did, yeah. congratulations to Santi. But no, he was in he was in great spirits yesterday at Media Day. It was fun talking to him because he's I think that he expects a lot from himself this season, especially off of the performance that he had in the World Cup. Just have to be given the opportunities. Yes, sir. And when you're given the opportunities, you have to perform. And that is the the case uh, across the board, regardless of what sport you're talking about or even uh, just a regular job that you may be in or maybe listening to us uh, from your job right now. If you're given that opportunity, you got to seize it and take advantage of it. Because if you're given an opportunity and you blow it, you can't complain when you don't get given another opportunity. Everybody wants second, third, fourth, and fifth opportunities. Well, take advantage of it when you get the opportunity. And uh, if he gets it, you know, we'll see if he takes advantage of it. Coming up next, we'll talk with our guy Steve Ashburner, senior NBA writer uh, over at NBA.com. Follow him on Twitter at AshNBA. That's straight ahead here on the Gabe Kuhn Show. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer filling in on 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN with today's special guest host, Sparky Pfeiffer. All right, time to check in with one of my favorites. Uh, he covers the NBA for NBA.com. Senior NBA writer Steve Ashburner joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at AshNBA. Steve, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got it, Steve. Uh, good to talk to you. All right, let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies uh, and uh, this team coming into the season. Obviously, no job Moran for the first 25 games, but uh, he's allowed to practice, we find out yesterday, and he's allowed to travel with the team. He can't be in the arena necessarily on game day when they're playing, but he gets to do all the other stuff. I called it yesterday on this show a gift from the NBA because this allows John Morant to stay connected with the team and allows the team to stay connected with John Morant and I think it's a win-win for everybody involved, even though he misses the first 25. Yeah, um, I talked to uh, Taylor Jenkins when the NBA coaches were meeting in Chicago uh, earlier this month. Actually, early last month. We've already moved into October. Yeah. So that's how busy yeah. I've been. But um, And I asked him that, and he said they were still waiting to hear. And, and you know, clearly it was the team's uh, preference. And, and I, I'll give uh, John Morant benefit of the doubt and assume that it was his preference too. I mean, of all the things he could do or all the places he could be, the one place where you think is going to best serve his uh, behavioral changes and, and uh, I guess just frame of mind is to be around the team. Um, you know, not being able to play, getting doctor salary that comes uh, with that suspension. I get it, you know, but um, generally the, the practice facility uh, is one place he's not inclined to get in trouble. And so um, it, to me, to, to, to banish the guy from that and, and leave him out there you know, on an island um, would, would be contrary to what they want to accomplish. So I think that's I mean, – it is a gift, but it makes a lot of sense. And if, if the end result is to have him you know, back as a productive player in the league and for the Grizzlies – um, the best thing to do is to, to be around the team environment. With everything that happened last year with John Morant, with Dylan Brooks running his mouth and so forth, this Grizzlies team still ends up as a two-seed. Uh, they get bounced by the Lakers, unfortunately, right there in the first round. Now looking at this Grizzlies team, Dylan Brooks out, uh, obviously. We talked about the John Morant 25-game suspension, but after that he's good. 
Uh, Derek Rose and Marcus Smart, they're at it. I think everybody's excited about both of those additions going forward. You got Zaire Williams that you're hoping we called him the X Factor in the last segment going into this year, hopefully that he can be a 3 and D guy dealing with some knee tendonitis uh, last year. Plus, you get Adams back from injury. You're not going to have Brandon Clark back probably until later in the year would be my guess, coming off that uh, Achilles tendon injury right. last March. Uh, how, how do you see Memphis stacking up in the West? Well, I think they're going to be sort of in the, the the second tier. I don't I don't see them as the uh, the threat they were maybe entering last season because I, I think those are significant hits. I mean, in essence, they're going to ask Marcus Smart to do two guys' jobs, right? He's supposed to fill in for John Morant while Morant is out, and he is their best perimeter defender, uh, taking over for Dylan Brooks that way. And you know, you, you're going to stretch a guy pretty pretty thin if he's got to account for both those things. Um, you know, I, I liked Dylan Brooks's work. I mean, I, I was standing right in front of him when he, when he said the, the crazy stuff about LeBron and, and basically poked the proverbial bear. And I thought, Oh, this is, this is not smart. This is a mistake. But I mean, he didn't blink. I mean, he sort of went with that and he truly went cause he's, you know, change franchises now, but I still think he's awfully good at what he does. I, I, I cast a, an all defense vote for him. And, um, you know, that, that's a loss. And I, Brandon Clark to me was so valuable that when he went out, I mean, at that point, I just, it was going to be hard for me to take uh, the Grizzlies seriously as a, a legit contender in the West. He, he's just so high energy, um, got a real nose for the rim. He, he's, you know, constantly spinning and, and, and just a fun, a fun player to watch and, and, a, and a really solid contributor. So, you know, I, I think they're going to face some challenges. Um, Jaron Jackson, you know, the, the Team USA stuff, um, he didn't fare well in matchups with bigger guys. So it's essential that Steven Adams be around to play the five and free up uh, Jaron Jackson as a four because when he has to spend time at the five, it just not it just doesn't go as well. And you know, uh, the thing with him has always been stay on the floor, don't don't commit fouls in the in the name of your defense. I mean, it's fine if you're going to be a roamer and and do us you know uh, help blocks and things like that, but you got to be able to just stand your ground and and stay on the court. So, you know, that's that's one of the things that I'm always looking for from from him as well. And then, you know, you can't ignore the. Uh, the elephant in the room. I mean, that team with John, without Ja, I know their record hasn't necessarily dipped, but that's when they had, um, uh, you know, Tyus Jones as the best backup. And I mean, it became this, this label that he had hitched him like a trailer, the, you know, the best backup point guard in the NBA. Well, yeah. that's not him now. And so we'll see how much, you know, smart handles that and what Derek Rose has left and, uh, and go from there. So I think they're in a group of, you know, wannabes to sort of climb out of the uh, uh, the pack in the West. Smart and Derek Rose at Media Day uh, kind of got down with this whole, we're not babysitters. That's not why we were brought in, because that's kind of what was said probably nationally around the country of, oh, uh, they went out, got Marcus Smart and Derek Rose to come in and babysit John ja Morant so he didn't get in trouble anymore. Uh, and they kind of fought back on that. And my thought on it was, okay, Let's not call it babysitting. Let's call it mentoring. Let's call it a veteran presence for a young team. But that that kind of is why they're here. Marcus Smart, you know, more about what he does on the court as well, obviously. 
But that veteran presence is a big deal, not only for Job, but for some of these other young guys, too. Marcus Smart has been through the battles, uh, regular season, playoffs, been in different situations, and can really help be a leader on this team. Well, I, you know, it, to me, it seems like it's, it's for the group overall. Um, you know, John Moran, uh, he knows what he needs to do and not do. It's a matter of, of uh, sticking to that plan and, and showing the discipline. And I can't imagine having Smart or Rose on site is going to uh, dictate the success or not of his ability to, um, you know, be a positive force for that team and not, not the negative one he's been more recently. Um, but in terms of the group overall, handling things, I mean, Marcus Smart's leadership ability um, has been, you know, documented, chronicled for a number of years in Boston. Um, you know, I asked uh, Taylor Jenkins, uh, you know, can a guy come in and impose himself as a leader? I mean, if he has a reputation, does that mean he's going to lead this group too? It's one thing to do it elsewhere. And, and, you know, or do you have to have that happen organically where you emerge by, by situation upon situation on the court, off the court, whatever it is, big, small, you know, what the caterers brought for the, the team lunch and whatever it is, you know, you assert yourself as a leader and guys then look to you in those moments. Um, I think Marcus Smart, he will rise to the crop as a leader of that team. Um, you know, that's not to say that, that, you know, a guy like Jaron Jackson, though young, can't do that, or that Steven Adams, um, you know, uh, is one of the older guys on that team, you know, uh, can't do it. But Smart's got the got the resume, and, and I think so. Derek, I don't know. I mean, Derek maybe is a, a resource, but he's not sort of a forceful personality to, uh, right. uh, to in any way, shape, or form get in, uh, get in Jaws uh, grill about anything, I don't think. No, I agree with you on that. What What about this coaching staff? You have Darko the Leafs to go coach, coach the Raptors, uh, and Jenkins bringing St. Patrick St. Andrews, who is with the Bucks, and Mike Budenholzer, same place that Taylor Jenkins came from, uh, with Mike Budenholzer. Uh, what do you think of the job that Jenkins has done so far in Memphis and maybe something that he needs to work on or maybe change with the group that he has? I mean, I think he's done fine. I mean, he's high energy. He's upbeat. Um, he's a little boilerplate uh, with people like us in the media where you're like, ah, am I getting a lot of substance here? Or am I just getting a lot of fast? He talks so darn fast. It's impossible <laughs> to to uh, keep up. I mean, even use a recorder and you, and you miss words. He's, he's so fast. But, um, no, I mean, I, I think he's, he's shown, you know, uh, everything that they need. Um, he's taken strides. I felt like um, maybe – he and that staff and maybe the front office, they, they, they came across a little bit like deer in the headlights when the John Morant stuff was going on. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was the exact opposite of anything they would have wanted going on with that team at that point in season. And, you know, you always got to look hard on whether the team's going to do the right thing, even if it hurts itself in the process. And so, you know, I was, I was trying to watch that, you know, the Grizzlies and their reaction. And, okay, they suspended him before the league got to it the first time around. But I thought even the league went a little bit light and, and was hoping more than that they were uh, committed to uh, addressing that situation head on. And sure enough, then there was, you know, backsliding from, from that. Eight games or whatever it was, nine games was not enough. And, uh, you know, you want to make sure a team, um, you know, just – I look for teams to do the right thing because ultimately it's in their long-term interest and it's in the player's best benefit to take your lumps and, and fess up and, and not be in a hurry to move on based on, you know, what the calendar says. 
Talking with Steve Ashburner, senior NBA writer over at NBA.com. Follow him on Twitter at AshNBA. I want to talk about uh, the three other players around the league that are the storylines right now. Uh, First, we'll start with the guy that hasn't been moved yet. That's James Harden. Uh, Stuck in Philadelphia, not going to report to training camp, wants to be traded. How do you think that one plays itself out? Well, I imagine he'll be gone. Um, You know, maybe the Clippers. That would be, to me, a legit place for him to go. Um, their agenda is, you know, a number of veterans trying to prop open a, a, a closing championship window with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, but um, yeah, it's hard to imagine him back in Philadelphia. That doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I think James Harden is running out of options, and I think yep. you know his team, as a result of that, is is running out of destinations that would you know take him seriously and, and see a fit for him. Um, you know, this thing of, of skipping media day as if, well, I won't be there when most of the interviews are done. Therefore, I won't have to fess up. No, you, you'll end up getting questions in the media regardless when you do show up. In the meantime, it's left to your teammates uh, and coaches to have to talk about you and explain your, your uh, whereabouts and everything else. So, I mean, he, I just uh, not a fan, haven't been a fan. Um, even when he was in his prime, the ball dominance and, you know, I never can imagine somebody that, generates as many assists as he does without, in my view, really making his teammates better. Um, so many of those assists seem to come late in the shot clock when he's run out of dribbles and, and sees two defenders and all of a sudden, oh, here, you, you shoot, you know. And it's yep. just, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, – and, and off the court, I mean, his habits have been abysmal. He doesn't – he has historically not taken great care of himself. Um, he loves the nightlife, the, the – the chatter about him going back to Houston seemed totally driven by uh, lifestyle rather than, um, you know, what he could bring to a team that really was in rebuild and had no interest in it, James Harden. So I would expect him to be moved. I just don't think it's going to shift the NBA uh, landscape at all. All right, let's talk about the two guys that have been moved. Well, really, there's three, but I, uh, we don't need to get into DeAndre Aiden. Uh, l- let's talk about... Uh, Let's talk about Damian Lillard first, uh, going uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks and a move that I think shocked a lot of people because the Bucks kind of weren't really on the radar nationally until the night before the trade actually happened. Then there was a report that they, they may have interest, but nobody thought it would happen the way it did. You were in Milwaukee for uh, Bucks Media Day in practice. Uh, what's your take on the Lillard situation? Well, it's energized that franchise. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, they just sort of reared up out of nowhere as the uh, the team that acquired um, Damian Lillard. I mean, you never heard anything about the Bucks, and and all of a sudden, they're going. He's going there rather than Miami. I mean, that's that's not only a, a plus for Milwaukee, but it's a blow to the Heat. And the Heat had been a a thorn in Milwaukee's side, you know, in recent times. You know, particularly uh, last last spring's first round playoff series. So you deny your your uh, one of your competitors. A, uh, an improvement while you take that guy yourself. I think that Lillard and Giannis, um, you know, are tremendous tandem. They, they complement uh, entirely. They don't overlap. They don't, they don't, you know, and there's plenty of, of basketball to go around. Giannis can have it in his hands for, you know, three quarters and Damian Lillard can, can be in charge in the fourth and plenty of opportunities there. Um, Damian Lillard is now in put up or shut up mode in terms of, you know, you want to ring, Okay, now you got, you know, as good a teammate as you could have possibly imagined to go chase that ring. And, um, you know, he's still young enough. He's still effective enough. Um, now it's now it's on him. And, 
no, I think it's I think it's good. It's good for Giannis to have somebody else there to you know who's got a proven track record of taking over in, in clutch moments. Um, he doesn't feel like you know he won't have to press the way we've seen him press in the past. Um, the ball out of his hands means you know he won't won't have to shoot and mostly miss you know eighteen or twenty three free throws in a in an elimination game. And um, yeah, it's 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 strong. Um, I'll let you ask me about the next guy because I was about to give you sort of the, the asterisk. That's all right. We're up against yep. the break, so I need you to be kind of quick on this one. Drew Holiday okay. to Boston. I, I think uh, if you're Milwaukee, Holiday kind of is that guy that gives Boston the best chance of defending Damian Lillard in a playoff series. So I think it's a it's a great move for the Celtics. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the one place. That's the other of two places that the Bucks didn't want Drew Holiday to end up. Yep. He could have gone just about anywhere else. But, you know, when you think about it, um, it's almost like the Celtics get Marcus Smart back um, and and still have Przingis. I mean, and they, you know, they don't – they're able to give up that leader and that feisty defensive-minded point guard, and then they replace them with a, with a feisty defensive-minded point guard. So Drew Holiday, I think, is going to be outstanding for them, and he's going to have supreme motivation – Every time he sees the Bucks on the other side of the floor, so um, yeah, that's that's tremendous for the Celtics. He is Steve Ashburner, senior NBA writer. Uh, follow over at NBA.com. Follow him on Twitter at AshNBA. He's really, really good. Steve, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, happy to do it. I'm sure we'll talk this season. You bet. Take care. There he is, Steve Ashburner. Uh, again, joining us. Coming up next, uh, the MLB playoffs are underway already. We'll look ahead to some of the uh, wildcard matchups coming up next here on the Gabe Kuhn Show. See Sparky Pfeiffer filling in on 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN with today's special guest host, Sparky Pfeiffer. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out. Don't forget anything that you missed, maybe the Steve Ashburner interview, you caught the tail end of it uh, from NBA.com. Go and uh, if you don't have that Odyssey app downloaded, download it now. Go back and can check that uh, a little bit later on. And, of course, still to come, we have uh, Jeff Hawkins coming up at 5 o'clock, like always. And then Christian Fowler talks Memphis Grizzly football comes up at 6 o'clock uh, from, the, of course, the On the Bluff podcast that him and Gabe do, Bluff City Media. And you'll definitely want to tune in uh, for that one. Uh, there is actual Major League Baseball still going on uh, at this moment in time. Uh, and the playoffs are going on the wild card round. Is it really the wild card round or should it be called something else? Should the third division winner have to play uh, a wild card team and then be deemed a wild card round, even though they're a division winner? I don't know. Uh, but either way, uh, Texas uh, won their first game uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays 4 0. Uh, and again, uh, Jerry Montgomery, uh, a guy that comes in, or I should say Jordan Montgomery, uh, not Jerry, what am I thinking about? Uh, Jordan Montgomery uh, pitches a hell of a game uh, today uh, for the Texas Rangers. And so much when you get into the playoffs at this time of the season, it's about pitching. Seven innings, six hits, five strikeouts. Uh, Raldis Chapman comes in behind him. Uh, and again, 4 nothing uh, over the Rays. Uh, Rosarena, postseason of Rosarena, had a couple hits uh, in that game for Tampa Bay, but not enough. Uh, Minnesota Twins, they're up 3 nothing right now on the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. That one uh, going to the uh, fifth inning uh, as we speak right now. Uh, Royce Lewis with a couple of home runs uh, in that game for the Minnesota Twins as they are up. National League games uh, for the wildcard games, those come up tonight. 6 o'clock start for the D-backs uh, in Milwaukee to take on the Brewers. 7 o'clock start 
for Miami in Philadelphia. Uh, and in both of those series, I think a lot of people expect Philadelphia to win that series uh, against Miami. Uh, and the Brewers-Arizona Diamondbacks series, I think everybody was on the Brewers bandwagon. However, uh, with Brandon Woodruff now not being able to pitch, who is their second-best pitcher in the rotation, uh, that may have changed some people's opinions. Brewers uh, are favored, uh, minus 170 going into the game tonight. Philly, minus 155 going into the game uh, tonight as well. Coming up next, Jeff Hawkins will join us. And uh, I, I told him when the uh, interview ended yesterday, I forgot that he was the Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, and uh, I, I got a comparison for Josh Allen I want to pick his brain on. And, of course, we'll talk uh, some more about uh, the Memphis uh, Grizzlies basketball team and some Memphis football, too, with Jeff. Coming up next here on the Gabe Coon Show, Steve Sparky Fiber filling in on 92.9 FM ESPN. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.